let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. We want to stand before you approved. We want to stand before you rejoicing. We'd ask that you would give us guidance in your son's name. Amen. I was in a conversation last night. A young man came over. And, uh, and some other young men trickled in. It was in a kind of a unusual collection, not the standard suspects that would come in and talk about whatever. And thankfully, there was a not talking about the disease. We, we talked about motivation for life because he was concerned. Why would he get up in the morning? Not that he had trouble getting up in the morning, but... What was the actual reason he got up in the morning? Make money? Glorify God? What was it? You know, and we all know what the pious answer is. Best to know what the Lord's answer is. And I was thinking about these things plus um, elements in other conversations during the week that had uh, ended up quoting out of this passage. Um. But I want to encourage you about something, especially when things are going sideways. Um, you know, you're, we've already, I think I preached a sermon about fear at some point during this thing, and most pastors probably have dealt with that or dealt with anxiety or dealt with uh, um, uh, submission to the laws, when does the church disobey, all those sorts of things. But this is something that... that we become aware of because we're at home and we're alone, we're thinking with our thoughts and we're looking for purposes and we wonder how we're going to get going again. And, and you, you should have had the same thoughts when everything was normal, but we weren't tempted to have the same thoughts or not prompted to have the same thoughts um, in that circumstance. But it was available. It was available at the time of Solomon. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 and chapter 9 this morning. And... It surprised my visitor last night that he came to a certain conclusion. And we were not of the same theological persuasion, let's just put it that way. And it surprised him that I had the same answer he had been coming to um, against what he had been running into in other seeking counsel. But I want to, um, the whole book of Ecclesiastes, of course, is my I, I love this thing, uh, but I'm trying to pull out the part of it that is applicable to what we're looking at. Um, it says in Ecclesiastes 8.1, now this is beginning before we get into the proper text, the beginning of chapter 8, who is like the wise man, and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine and the hardness of his countenance is changed. I always love that verse. Because it's not something that people go to for the motivation for being wise. Having understanding of a thing. It's usually so that you would know the right answer. So you'd be able to teach others the right answer. So that um, 
You would efficiently know how to live. All those things are true, but that's not the reason it gives. That's not the encouragement it mentions. It points out something else. It points out kind of how much you would enjoy that. Your, your whole face shifts. It's like you're a young single man and in a community and there's a number one catch amongst the women. And over the weekend, before church on Sunday, you find out that this catch among women has got the hots for you. Not the other guys, for you. And you're just talking with the other guys Sunday morning. They don't know. No one knows. You haven't made any moves. But you know that she's got the hots for you. There's a certain, I don't know, schadenfreude, a certain smugness, a certain making your countenance shine. Uh, you know the answer. The hardness is taken off. You no longer concern yourself with certain things. I, I've got this. And we can think of all sorts of illustrations where the good thing came to you and it's commending, it's, it's saying relish the experience of it being, not the utility. The utility of its being is, is fine. Apply your wisdom. Apply your understanding. But enjoy. So if we go over to the... Uh, Right-hand side, chapter 8, verse 14. There is a number of verses that I about uh, political science and kings and so forth that I, I thought would just confuse the issue and make it too long for the page. So I started here. There is a vanity which takes place on earth, that there are righteous men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked men to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said this, that this also is vanity. You know, the bad guys get the awards and the good guys go to prison. I've seen this. And it doesn't make sense. And Solomon, because this is the advice he gives throughout this book, he says, this is vanity. And then he gets, he gets to his suggestion. And I commend enjoyment. For man has no good thing under the sun but to eat and drink and enjoy himself. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of life which God gives him under the sun. We stop and think about enjoyments. You're talking about that which you have now, not your hopes, your intentions, your desires, not your memories of enjoyment, but your actual enjoyment. It's like the making your face to shine if you're wise, taking off the hardness of your countenance. You, you're enjoying this. And enjoyment is something that follows you through the days of your life, and it is something you either do or do not have. But things in this life are going to come up like the
the wicked getting an Oscar and you going to prison. Things that I need to understand, want to understand, don't understand. And he goes on to say, verse 16, Then I applied my mind to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However man, much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out, even though a wise man claims to know. He cannot find it out. Now, this is the wisest man who ever lived. He says, I've been there, I tried it. There's stuff happening that is uh, beyond us. Now, he says in Ecclesiastes 7 here on the left-hand side, all this I tested by wisdom. I said I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which is, is far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it out? I turned my mind to know and to search out, to seek wisdom and the sum of things, and to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness, which is madness. And he said, yes. You know, the big house and certain circles of, of Christians around here are in the pursuit of things that we don't understand yet. We're always trying to seek out the mind of things. But one of the things that the wisest man who went before us uh, knows about life um, is that that desire to go after it is not going to be matched with uh, success. You're going to want to find the sum of things, to know the wickedness of folly, the foolishness, which is madness. But you know what you're going to be left with? Not knowing. Who's going to find it out? The wise man claims to know, and he cannot find it out. It's too much. It's too big. All the works of God, all the works of man, all the works of creation that you have to add up to understand what's going on. Because look what he does back there in Ecclesiastes 7, on the left-hand side. I broke it up in half, because this verse 23, uh, into a few verses, then it says, nope, but what does make sense? The guy says, I want to know, I want to know the big picture. We were talking last night about a particular poetess that I abhor, and... Uh, and everybody kind of thinks that this person is a, uh, a spiritual, wise wisdom giver uh, in her, her thinking and poetry, and she can't run her own life. Any number of marriages into it now. But uh, she had done some math where she had considered how many people had died in human history. 80 billion, she said. She claimed that, that there was a tsunami, where there was a few years ago, in Southeast Asia that killed a hundred and some odd thousand people. And so she was doing the math and coming up with God can't be all that great. This is what she was doing as she approached the heights of human reason. She was trying to make pronouncements about the all, like she had the sun. And since she was talking about big numbers and everyone who ever died, and people who died in terms of, of a particular tragedy, she thought she could just step into that range and be um, ex-cathedra pontiff of, of all the people. 
But all Solomon is able to do, he says, I've set my mind to know the wickedness of folly and the foolishness which is madness. And then he says, what did you find out? And I found more bitter than death the woman whose heart his snares and nets. You know, whose hands are fetters. He who pleases God escapes her, but the sinner is taken by her. Now, you know what happens? You know why the wise man has a um, Schrodenfreude look on his face? It's because he actually understands when he looks at this particular poetess, not just how bad her poetry is, but how bad her life is. She wants to judge the living God because she wants to step into the realm of I know all because I can name big numbers. And she can't keep her marriage together. Can't do it. She's got nothing. All of a sudden you realize, you know, I might not understand the deepest things or the madness of folly or the wickedness of folly and the foolishness that is madness, but I do know women are difficult. Now there are about one, two, three, four, five women here. One, two, three, four, five guys. And uh, are allotted ten for church. So I don't want to offend half the audience, but they know. They've been here. They've been through this discussion. There's a certain... Abby was telling me this a number of months ago. How she felt... She felt good. In other words, her own countenance had been changed by the realization that women were just awful and being able to say to other women that women were just awful. Now, this is going out to the whole nation. I might get arrested before next week because there are probably laws that I'm violating. But Solomon discovered... Now, Solomon has his own problems. Marrying too many of them, for one. If you didn't get it right by number 500, don't add another 500. Oh, this is what I found, says the preacher, adding one thing to another to find the sum which my mind has sought repeatedly, but I have not found. One man in among a thousand I found, but a woman among all these I have not found. Behold, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they have sought out many devices. It's one of my favorite verses. It came up in some conversation this week. What I want to encourage you to do is to realize that some things are, are out of our grasp, but not out of our pursuit, but the certain wisdom about pursuing it and a certain collection on the joy. We, if we're utilitarian, we think the only joy is in the arrival at the answer. I think George Will or someone like this, I may have mentioned this before, that you know there are people who are intelligent, but an intellectual is a person who enjoys the thinking. The intelligent person is capable of getting the answer that the uh, proper application of the equation gives to them, and they're able to do that. Intellectual is the person who is letting his face shine while he's thinking, she's thinking about these things. Because life, remember like Solomon says, I commend enjoyment. If you were realizing that enjoyment was a task, not one that is just tempting you to sin, but a task God has given you to accomplish. This friend who was over the last night talking about it, 
he was saying, you know, much like C.S. Lewis does in The Weight of Glory, see, that God does not find our desires too much, but too weak. You know, we're, we're, we're easily gratified by something cheap. He says, if your desire for enjoyment was complete, you wouldn't be done till you were kneeling at the throne of God to understand the mind of God about how to run this or how to understand that or how to engage in this kind of pleasure in the best possible way. If we devoted ourselves not to ourselves, but this is the problem. Most people devote themselves to themselves thinking they're devoted to enjoyment. No, they're devoted to serving them, and they're too dumb to recognize what's a good enjoyment. Solomon says, I, I don't know everything, but I know women are weird. I don't know everything, but I know that it's hard to get to the bottom of everything man does, and that certain things are backwards. The justice system may be backwards. And some things, he says, he cannot find it out. Some things are just opaque. We'd gotten into a discussion with the men who were Monday this last week where we were considering the pre-creational potentials about the nature of God. You can't go there. Not because it's immoral, because you've got no place to stand. You cannot stand outside a created beingness and view it. And there's some things. You're just, you know, the, some things are inverted. Some things are bizarre world. Some things are just flat-out unseen, ineffable unspeakable, ununderstandable, you won't get to the bottom of it. Then he says, but all this, this is chapter 1, uh, verse 1 of chapter 9. But all this I laid to heart, examining it all, how the righteous and the wise and their deeds are in the hand of God. Whether it is love or hate, man does not know. The righteous are in the hand of God, this is what we don't know about what's going on. There's a, back there. Um, the, uh, um, the running the dipstick into your brain to find out what you have, what you've been, um, what you've been able to grasp. You need to know with a certain humility what you don't have, but that is not precluding you. In matter of fact, the enjoyment is the thing because the utility is waiting. This is why a lot of theologians think they have to have the whole answer and the whole counsel of God. This is why physicists think they have to have the whole answer and the whole counsel of the uh, matter because how can you really predict what we need to do and we really what we need to do is the is the, um, is the utility that we're going to get out of this. That's if I forget about the utility. Women are weird. Things are backwards. Uh, a lot of things are opaque to you. You might want to enjoy yourself. Look what it says. Everything before them is vanity. The, the righteous, the wise, their deeds, who knows whether it's going to be blessed or cursed. Everything before them is vanity since one fate comes to them all. 
to the righteous and the wicked, to the good and the evil, to the clean and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good man, so is the sinner. And he who swears is he who shuns an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that one fate comes to all. And also the hearts of men are full of evil, and madness is in their hearts. While they live, and after that they go to the dead. This is it. You know, a lot of people don't like this book in the scriptures. He said, the basic thing is, hey, this is not just, not just women are weird. Let's start with that point. That's our key point, our stepping off point. Women are difficult, Worcester. But justice is backwards. Things don't happen just like they ought. Things are not explained. And now we're finding out it's terminal. All this is going to kill you. So what does he do with that? Because he is the wise guy. I mean, he's the guy who writes the Proverbs, the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes. I mean, how many books, <coughs> how many books of the Bible have you written? You might not like Solomon, but he's written more than you. Written more than James. What did he think? He's coming to these conclusions. What's up? First off, verse 4 of chapter 9. But he who is joined with all the living has hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. And why is that? Because that's almost, that's very non-Spartan. That's very, you know, wouldn't you rather be a living coward than a dead hero? That's what it sounds like to us. But Solomon's getting at something else. Life is just overtly better than death. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no more reward, but the memory of them is lost. Their love and their hate and their envy have already perished. They have no more forever any share in all that is, I love that, no more forever any share in all that is done under the sun. It's like kicking you when you're down. Not only that, let me take your wallet. Now, deal with it. If you try to rewrite the reality, you're going to be some, some, broken soul who find out too late the madness and the folly and the wickedness and the mixed upness and the opaqueness and the inability for you to really fully understand everything. But rejoice in what you come to understand. Rejo and that's all about living. You're all about in the moment. You've heard me talk about you know kind of a Christian existential joy. You have the moment, and you have every wherewithal to enjoy that moment. And if you stand in the right way before God, you will. Rich, poor, successful, unsuccessful. That girlfriend that you thought she might not have turned out because, you know, scriptures. But you have this possibility, the living dog, because... The moment is the only thing that exists. Now, you say, Evan, this is where you're getting weird on your time stuff. Yeah, but there's a reason I hold my time views. You don't have to care about them. 
whatever. But the only thing that has any actuality is you in this moment. Are you enjoying it? I mean, is it, are you at peace? Are you tranquil before God? Are you, you have that smug, schadenfreude look on your face? That's when something's happening to somebody else. That you sort of figured, I knew what was going to happen. I don't think we take this seriously enough. I think we're always pious. And when we say pious, what we mean is, I think people who give up stuff and do without are more godly than people who don't. That sits in the back of our mind because ex-Catholics, instead of, um, you've heard me say, um, I'm not a Catholic, never have been, but American Protestantism is post-Catholic. Historically, it comes out of that. I would recommend you try never to be post-Catholic. You're just a Christian. Because if I accept all that went before me in Catholicism before I veer into a true belief of the gospel, I will keep a bunch of very bad, non-biblical, ungodly appraisals of what I'm doing in life and why did I get up in the morning. There are people who seem to think, what's that that phrase, the awful suspicion that someone somewhere is having a good time. And everyone sort of feels, you know, I really, you know, I really don't want to enjoy this much food or this much fashion or this much beauty or this much advancement. I better just better not. But the, the wisest man in the world says, you're alive for heaven's sake. Now what do we do? You won't get to the bottom of it. You won't be able to untie the knot. You won't be able to give a sum of everything. You'll have lost everything when you die. When they pry your, all your stuff, all your utility you supposedly accomplished, pried from your cold dead fingers, even your guns. So what does he recommend? The next verse, go. Eat your bread with enjoyment and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already proved what you do. Oh, let's go on. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Not a picture I appreciate, but let's just say uh, you're put together. You're comfortable Look good. And you got good food in front of you. And it's not just good food and okay because, well, that's allowed. We don't view denial as the standard of piety. And if I do eat, it's allowed or it's innocent. You haven't been obedient until you enjoyed it. Okay? You haven't been obedient until you enjoyed it. That's the thing. That's what you're driven to do. And then it says, enjoy life. Look at the list of things. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear. Your, let's be frank, your sex life. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life. And in your toil, at which you toil under the sun. But he's not done there. 
whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. The moment, the being alive, the key element, if, am I enjoying this? Having the enjoyment of it, not just did I pursue pleasure and, uh, and send up a storm because I was pursuing pleasure. We also know very well that people who pursue their pleasures sinfully end up not enjoying life. They end up in jail because it feels really good to take meth or to um, try to have your way with someone underage because you want to, because it feels good. But that's not what we're recommending. We're saying, have you figured out how to enjoy this? Have you figured out that you haven't been given much, but you kind of know about women? You haven't been given much, but you kind of know about food and wine and fashion and life together, we will call it, and ambition, work, entrepreneurialism. Do it with all your might. Because this is it, folks. This is it. I said, we said that in our, our marriage seminar, which was you either, this is, marriage is either a heaven on earth that even heaven doesn't allow because you're neither marriage nor given in marriage in heaven. Or it's hell on wheels. You got, you got those two choices. But this is the only place for it. In some ways, the questioning, the questioning, will there, will there be that in glory? Will we be suddenly get downloaded, you know, like Neo in the Matrix? I would like to know everything. Download it. Okay, I go through the rest of history completely informed. The joys of discovering things. The wise man's countenance changed as he goes, oh, I, oh my gosh, and realizes something. You know, the Archimedes moment in the tub. And it's Eureka displacement. And it solves a problem. Now, what I'm suggesting is that you pursue a different path to making sense of it. Some of it is that You just need to be warned that it's above your pay grade. A lot of stuff out there that smart people go after, it's above their pay grade. They will never get there. These things were put into place. I have the quote here from a great saint, Harry Callahan. A man's got to know his limitations. And the limitations is, it's bigger than you. It's a lot bigger. You want to know everything? Sorry. You can know something. Those will really please you. I've seen the business that God has given to the sons of men to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he's put eternity into man's mind, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. It's, it's not a flaw, it's a feature. You don't know and can't know. He made you finite and it infinite. Not that? You finite, it infinite, you that, and that's the reason he did it. Says they will never meet. They will never grasp it all. 
Tsang. Why does this young man want to know why he got up in the morning? What's moving me? It sounded so tawdry to say, because I wanted to make money. I gotta say something pious. I wanted to, I wanted to glorify God, and perhaps some ministry would arise in my job situation. We're trying to buy off God with various pious definitions about what we're doing and what we're about. What does God give you to do? He gives you your food and your wine and your clothes and the oil for your head and your bed partner and your job. Now, the last verses here in the book, good chapters. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race was not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to the men of skill. Just in case you were wondering, not only, not only are things unfair in the courts of law where the righteous get punished and the wicked get away with stuff, but nothing works, you know, frankly. Sometimes it does, enough that we would predict that our battle goes to the strongest army, but, you know, no, not all the time. Let's just, in case you were disappointed with the backwards, opaque, terminal, let's give you accidental to throw that in. Just throw that into the mix. How are you going? How? Some people who are achievers cannot stand this world that Solomon has recognized which is, you won't know it. It's got too many flaws, some of them intentional, some of them from sin, some of them from God. For man does not know his time. Like fish which are taken in an evil net, and like birds which are caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls them. We experienced that in the last few months. Suddenly, life went from normal to what in the world? There are house arrest for everybody? We don't know. It's called a black swan event, something like that. It's unpredictable. Yeah, that's what life is like. That's what life is like. And sometimes that was death. You know, when that guy in that battle uh, with against Ahab, the guy just drew his bow at a venture, shot the arrow into the sky, and down it came in Ahab's direction, caught him between a certain spot in his armor, and killed him. You kind of think God was behind that arrow. But the guy wasn't thinking anything about, of it, nor was Ahab expecting it. Man does not know his time. What are you about? If you're, everything that we think we're supposed to be solving and, and, and fixing and coming up with a Bible answer man for everything, I think it's great to pursue all these things. But remember, it is not the utility necessarily, but the joy that it brings. The countenance shift. Consider just for just for the moment. You know some of this. You know, in case you say, Evan, you're a whack job. Remember, Reformed Baptist like John Piper comes up with Christian hedonism, right? Desiring God, the whole idea. It's been in, on discussion circles quite a bit. You might be the kind of Christian who doesn't like this. Enjoying life is right for believers. But I'm suggesting you to at least consider it. Does God want you to enjoy what's going down, and it's not only for those who get all the right answers on the test? 
because the right answers are not available. To you, you're going to fail, but you can be successful at enjoyment. It's a different thing. It's not whether this is allowed, it's whether this is enjoyed, and does it fit into God's cosmos? Look at what he says. I have it here on the left-hand side. Timothy, 1 Timothy 6. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches. The rest of this verse. But on God. Oh, yeah. Because that's where we stop. The person with all the money who can really enjoy life, you know, oh, yeah, and why did none of that? No jet skis, no onion rings. Focus on God. Which, by that, which I mean, be in a mode of self-denial. Be in the mode of turning away. He says, no, the rest of the verse is, who richly furnishes us with everything to enjoy. We were talking last night about whether or not the chief end of man, which is a noble thing to say, that is to uh, glorify God and enjoy him forever. I have no trouble with the statement. It's a little bit, you know, Full of itself, but you know, I, I think that uh, it's a good a good sentiment. I also have to ask God, what does God want me to be doing? Is He trying to give me a world in which, from the creation on, to the salvation of Jesus Christ on, that He's resolving our failure to enjoy the world He made? He tried to give good gifts to us. He gave us all things richly to enjoy. For me to do it right, if I'm a wealthy person, for me to do it right, it says they are to do good and be rich in good deeds, liberal and generous, and thus laying up for themselves a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life which is life indeed. Are you about real enjoyment? So if you're rich, you know how to handle that. If you're poor, you know how to handle that because we're about enjoyment. Poor men have to enjoy it a certain way. I may once be content when I'm poor. I must not be envious when I'm poor. I must still obey God when I'm poor. Because these things are how, what he says, to the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and joy. Our joy, our collection of the good God has given, is what you have. You have I suggested as before the young man left last night, I, he, you know, why do I get up in the morning? What, what, is I, what should I be thinking when I roll out? You know, thank you, Lord, for letting me live till morning. Thank you for everything I have right now. Because the right now, the living dog is better than the dead lion. You've got this. You are. You exist. You've got a sensational not in that sense, but a sensual connection with the world God gave you. That is only happening in the now. You're not supposed to worry about tomorrow. You're not supposed to presume about tomorrow. You know, people who are presumptuous about the goods they get tomorrow, they're wrong. The people who worry about tomorrow are wrong. You have right now. You're alive right now. So what is that you should be triggered into? What a great deal. What a gig. And thanksgiving and honor. And watch out for women. They're very difficult. 
Well, this is the end of the passage. I want you to consider whether the things that we look at, the backwardness of justice system, we're not happy until we get social justice, until we fix all the problems in the courts and innocent people don't go to jail. Hey, that's always happened. It always will happen. Or that when we finally understand, no, it's always opaque and always will opaque. And will it always kill you? It will always kill you. And oh, by the way, chance. Throw that in as an extra. What does it say of the knife commercial? Uh, and that's not all. You also get accidental, where you won't win even if you did everything right. And what does it tell you to do? Enjoy your food, your clothes, your woman, and your job. Enjoy it. That's your task. Figure out how to enjoy it. How do I find enjoyment in God's world without having bowed the knee to God? So let's pray. Dear Lord, we are very grateful for your giving us a world in which you've given us richly things to enjoy. Set us on that site where we understand where we're going to be limited from absolute surety and clarity about the state of the world. Give us the enjoyment of pursuing it, though. Give us the enjoyment of the simple answers that come through to us that Mankind is a mess, and we're crazy, and women are difficult, and just all sorts of things. Thank you for the sense of humor. In your son's name, amen.